Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Bitter, and today I have a solo episode for you. So this episode is going to be a bit of a reflection on my uh, 24-hour race recently and just kind of my view in hindsight of the race and the buildup altogether and more or less loosely tied into like when is the right time to take an off season or when should you maybe pull the plug on a training plan versus showing up to a race and things like that. So we'll talk about some of those topics, uh, kind of how I am currently thinking and feeling about the whole uh, race as a whole, the buildup and kind of next steps for me on that. So that's a bit more of a kind of a training racing update on my side. Uh, before we get going, though, just a few announcements, some upcoming guests and episodes. One, which I'll be dropping after this one, is actually going to be a pretty deep dive into hydration and electrolytes that uh, you can use to try to personalize your own approach when you're out there working out, whether that's running, hiking, or just being out in hot weather or you know working out for longer periods of time in the gym and things like that. So it's going to be kind of a discussion on maybe how to formulate that, how to get down into the nitty gritty about where you should be at the individual level, because there is some uh, wide ranging, especially when it comes to sodium in electrolyte needs uh, and optimization in sports. So we'll talk about that in that episode. I also touch a little bit on kind of like what I see as like valuable reasons to use a treadmill or some things to look out for with it, which I kind of skewed into that one from a question answer standpoint, because I thought, you know, the hydration thing is a little more important this time you're heading into the summer with the heat. Treadmills are likely going to get used a little bit more for that same very reason. So navigating those types of scenarios are things I think are going to be a little more important as we head into July here. Uh, also coming up on the show, I will be presenting at one of the pullout sessions at KetoCon in Austin here, which is coming up quick. It is that second weekend in July. If you are there, definitely come to see my presentation, but also I'll be recording likely three live podcasts out of the S-Fuels booth at KetoCon. So right now I have uh, Tara, Tara Garrison and likely Kara Collier coming on for that. And we may have a third guest lined up, still working on the details on it. But we'll be recording those uh, likely in the late afternoon after the main presentations are over out of that S-Fuels booth. So if you happen to be coming to KetoCon, definitely come check it out. If you don't want to see the live podcast, but just want to say hi, I'll be hanging out in that S-Fuels booth most of the time outside of my presentations and podcast recordings. All right, so a few other things before we get rolling. Uh, the show, if you want to get access to it ad-free, you can do that through the show's Patreon page. Also helps support the show by joining that. You can access the show's Patreon page by heading over to my website landing page for the podcast, which is zachbitter.com forward slash HPO. That will have links there for you to head over to the Patreon page, get that ad-free audio and support HPO. If you don't want to do Patreon, you don't care about the ad-free audio, but you want to support the show, there's also a spot on that same page, zachbitter.com forward slash HPO, where you can make one-time donations uh, and also a uh, crypto option if that's your thing. So that's a spot there. If uh, you want to support the show, but non-monetarily, 
you can do that and it is a big help by liking, subscribing, and sharing the podcast episodes that you listen to so that your friends and family know they're there. That helps me grow the show, which helps uh, me get more episodes out. Uh, also, if one of the show sponsors happens to be offering a product that you're interested in trying out, going to them through me is another great way to support the show through that way. Uh, this the, or this episode's sponsors, as well as all of them, can be found on the sponsor landing page, which is just zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Uh, all the links to this stuff will also be in the show notes. For this episode, the sponsor is my friends at LMNT. LMNT makes a electrolyte supplement, which is designed to be easy to bring with you, whether you're out training traveling or even just at home they come in these convenient one serving little packets that you can pop open and pour into your bottle of water they're packed with just over 1200 milligrams of electrolytes a thousand of those being sodium 200 of them being potassium and 60 magnesium so what i like to do is i'll mix one of those in about two liters of water and that's kind of the concentration i'm typically aiming for with that uh as you may will find out when we do our uh, hydration episode after this one, you'll, you can get a little closer to deciding kind of what formulation you may want. Right now, if you go to drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO, you can get a free sample pack, whether you're a returning or new customer. So a sample pack is just one of each of their flavors and they have everything from chocolate to fruity flavors, to even some spicy ones. So I would recommend checking that out for free and finding out which flavor you like if you wanna make it part of your routine. So that's drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO. And again, also all of those links and other show sponsors can be found at zachbetter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Also, one more quick announcement before we get rolling here. If you are looking for some support in your training and racing, I have a full range of coaching options from personalized where I write the plan based around your schedule, your lifestyle, your current fitness and the race you're going to do or races in some cases, uh, as well as add-ons like email collaboration and consultation calls all the way to just some pre-made plans that follow my philosophy. And those range from base training, 5k all the way up to hundred miles. And I just added a new one, which is a strength athlete's guide to endurance. I'm excited about that one because one trend I've seen in uh, running the last year or two has been a lot more strength athletes getting interested in doing running related stuff, whether it be to just do a race to say, hey, I wanted to try, try to set a challenge for myself and go and do that, or just to kind of supplement their, their strength work. If you have a strong foundation and endurance, your workload tolerance in the gym, even if strength-based, can be improved. So I do see folks branching out into that for a while to make sure they have all those boxes checked and they can maximize their strength goals in the gym. So I structured that plan to be specifically for that group of person, that, that person who is a strength athlete primarily wants to improve their endurance without sacrificing their program in the gym. So it will pair nicely with what other strength plan you already have in place. You can find that on my website at zackbitter.com under the pre-made plans uh, for that. So, all right, folks, let's get in to this episode. 
All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Bitter, and I am coming to you solo today. Uh, Topic for today's episode is kind of partially around an update on my training and racing, as well as kind of the bigger overreaching question of when to take an off season. Uh, But yeah, let's let's jump in. Um, Let's go through the training and racing first. So if those, for those of you who've been kind of paying attention to the podcast for a while now, you may remember last year I aggravated my right ankle during a training run around August timeline, uh, end of July, I think early August, right around there. And, uh, what ended up being was just a partially torn ligament on actually both sides of my, my right ankle. I took some time off and, uh, got some just some basic treatment for it and worked it back to where I thought it was going to be in a good spot to uh, resume training. I went through a full training block. Didn't bother me uh, other than a little bit of tightness in the morning sometimes, which loosened up real easily with some basic stretching and tibialis raises and things like that. Raced the tunnel Hill hundred which didn't go great from a performance standpoint, but uh, did seem to be just fine from the ankle standpoint. Then uh, I took a little bit of time off after that race and then resumed training at the end of the year with the mindset of building up for races in 2022. Uh, Through that buildup, I noticed my ankle started aggravating me again late in the year. No idea why this time around. I didn't have anything like specific that happened to it that would indicate that it would do that, Uh, but it did. So um, I started. trying to address it with just some extra rest days, some extra strength and mobility and that sort of thing. And ultimately I ended up going in and getting some PRP or platelet rich plasma injections into, uh, into that ankle spot there. And ended up doing three rounds of that over the course of this training block leading up to my, my race this past weekend in the, the Pettit center. And that seemed to help, but not, I guess, necessarily solve the problem altogether in hindsight, which we'll get into uh, the interesting thing was my original plan was to run the hundred mile and 12 hour leading into the, the Pettit center race, uh, six days in the dome here in June. And I got kind of frustrated with, uh, with just the way my body was maybe responding to the speed work for that particular buildup. And, uh, mostly based on the ankle, uh, it was very limiting with speed work. It seemed like anytime I would get some consistency with it, it would start to bother me more, And ultimately then by trying to continue that, I ended up aggravating my left knee, likely due to a compensatory type of situation where I likely didn't have like quite my right ankle, quite where I needed it to be, uh, aggravating the the left knee. So then it was kind of like a series of of whack-a-mole from there, just trying to manage different things that were kind of popping up from that. But, uh, ultimately, and this is where my decision-making was likely wrong is rather than just saying, Hey, I need to stop and let things settle down and just, you know, scrap this, this season and let this ankle fully get back to a hundred percent. I took the data, I guess I had available to me at the time, which was that the slower running stuff, like I would say like aerobic threshold and below or um, like, like easy pace stuff, basically was, uh, didn't really bother it at all. I could do seemingly as much of that as I needed to. And as long as I kind of stayed on my, 
mobility and strength routine, it wasn't that big of an issue. So rather than scrapping things, I sort of just pivoted and uh, decided to go after the 24 hour versus the hundred mile, 12 hour, which would bring, uh, my intensity on race day down quite a bit. And it would, uh, just minimize, I think the, the need for some speed work. Whereas if I were to target an event like the hundred mile, which I've pretty fine tuned for myself personally over the years, I just know what it's going to take to do that. And I wasn't able to, uh, do the work or be able to do the work that I thought would get me to a place where I would be able to better up my prior performances. And didn't think that was necessarily the path forward. So went for the 24 hour, uh, Things were going all right there for a bit during uh, during the buildup. Uh, ankle and knee started kind of clearing up. I didn't really have any noticeable effects of it during training. Again, a lot of this was just kind of easy, uh, below aerobic threshold type stuff. I was able to string together uh, a four to six week block where I was averaging about 120 miles per week for a chunk of there. Uh, and uh, yeah, that that seemed in my mind at the time that things were going to be okay if I was running slower and, uh, you know, not, not hitting the intensities that I would need for a, for a shorter distance race. Uh, so I kept the, the race on the schedule and, uh, went there pretty optimistic. Actually, I was feeling good, uh, from an approach standpoint, I've had some rough goes at the 24 hour in the past, but I feel like I've learned from a lot of those mistakes and kind of knew where to have my headspace and how not to be overly aggressive in the beginning or aggressive beyond what uh, I think I'm capable of uh, given my prior experiences at the moment. So things felt pretty good during the taper going in taper felt great. My body started to kind of really feel good and fresh going into the race itself, which was nice and always a positive thing. And uh, yeah, then race day uh, started on Saturday morning. And I started out at around an eight minute mile pace, which was the ceiling of what I wanted to do. I didn't really want to push past that. So I was monitoring the lap splits pretty closely. I would do like some short little like pickups, or if you want to call them that on a straightaway, like maybe every 20, 30 minutes, just to kind of, kind of stretch my legs out a little bit. But other than that, I was trying to kind of hit that eight minute pace or slower. And I think I came through six to eight hour range right around there, maybe a little slower than that, like low eight minute pace and, uh, pretty much maintained that between that and, you know, eight, 15, eight, 20 pace for a good chunk of, uh, up to 10 hours. Unfortunately at 10 hours, uh, the way that this is set up is, is you have the track at the Pettit center, there's a three lane track, and then you're able to set up a crew and people to kind of help you and your nutrition and stuff on a table on that outside. So in order to get your nutrition or whatever it is, you're going to grab, you kind of just, uh, either reach way far out or swing out into kind of those outer lanes, grab it, and then get back into the track. So on one of those passes, I moved to the outside, grabbed my bottle perfectly fine. Nothing different than normal. The only difference was on that particular turn, the track was a little more crowded than it had been normally when I was passing my crew. So track protocol is you step to the outside to go around a runner, uh, if you're going to pass. So once I grabbed my bottle and looked up, I noticed there was a group of runners that were, uh, they were all following the rules. It was none of it was, they were all exactly where they should have been given the way that was all set up. My responsibility to step to the outside of them. So I did that. 
it just happened to be crowded enough where I had to step off the outside of the track. Remember, this is a three lane track with actually tighter lanes. So it's not like on a normal high school track or college track where you have like a huge expansion between lane one and lane eight or sometimes nine. Uh, so it wasn't really that big of a deviation to step out of lane three. Uh, unfortunately for me on this particular track, there's a ridge where the track ends and then it drops off a little bit and then there's pavement. And when I stepped off of lane three, uh, I stepped onto the concrete with my left foot. And then when I stepped back on, uh, I stepped on that ridge versus the track itself. And I felt that right ankle just twist. And I felt that kind of pain shoot into it. And at first I was like, oh no, I just uh, re-aggravated it. But I quickly kind of like refocused and like, okay, you know, ankle rolls happen. You know, they're not always partial tears. They're not always catastrophic. A lot of times, you know, if you have good strength and stability in that area, you can roll an ankle. If it's minor, you can just kind of like, just give it a few steps and sort of like, for lack of better words, walk it off. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's test this out. So let's get, get moving and just kind of, see things like loosen back up. Maybe it's a non-factor. So I kept, uh, kind of going at a slightly slower pace, but just kind of paying attention to it to see if it was gonna kind of loosen up. And it sort of did, I, I could kind of feel it there, but it wasn't anything that felt like I needed to stop immediately. So, uh, I kind of, kind of continued on. I took a few like short breaks periodically in the next few hours, just to um, you know, assess it, uh, like stretch it a little bit and see what would happen when I would stop and start again. Cause sometimes what I've noticed with ankle stuff too, is if you keep moving, it stays loose, but if you stop, it really tightens up. And I wanted to see if that was the case, because if it was going to really, really tighten up on me after stopping, then, you know, that could be a sign that, uh, pushing to 24 hours was likely a bad idea in terms of what I could potentially do long-term to it. Uh, when I would do that, it didn't seem to get much worse. I would say maybe a little bit for the first few steps, but then it would like loosen right back up, up until around maybe 14 hours or so in. 14 hours in, I took a little bit of a longer break to check on the ankle and get a little more fuel in than I was normally taking in on the move. And when I started that one back up, it felt a lot stiffer than it had previously. From there, it just got progressively worse. It didn't loosen up this time. It got tighter. I was noticeably limping. Uh, my pace slowed way down. Uh, I, I went, I was probably averaging like 11, 12 minute mile pace for a good chunk of those laps. And then when, I, if I would stop to take a break to try to loosen it up and things like that, it would, you know, add to that time pace as well. So moving pace wasn't good. Overall pace wasn't good. Ankle wasn't good. And at that point I thought, you know, I need to really just get this thing under wraps because, uh, it, if I want to kind of keep racing, I, I can't be going into races where a minor little alteration, like stepping on a ridge is going to aggravate my ankle to the point where I need to need, need to stop or bail out on a race. It's just not a sustainable long-term approach. I'm 36. So I have a lot of, uh, what I think, uh, energy and potential to keep racing for years to come. And I don't really want to jeopardize that by trying to force an area of my body that has clearly been bothering me for longer than it probably should, uh, into a position where it becomes something permanent or something that's just going to become a reoccurring issue on race day workouts and things like that. And, and also just from the enjoyment of the sport. Uh, when I think about this last buildup, it was, 
very frustrating and uh, just not as fun because I like the speed work side of things. I think I'm an ultra marathon runner. I love the hundred mile distance, but I think the reason why I've been able to stay in the sport for as long as I have is because I change the way I train throughout the course of the year and periodize it. So you're never doing anything for too long before you enter what another exciting aspect of training. And this block just took a lot of that off the table. I want to get back to doing some of that stuff. So my path going forward is one, get this ankle back to hundred percent. If I'm going to take whatever time that needs, uh, I'm going to, you know, try to get some, not going to try, I'm going to get some good physical therapy and make sure everything is, is uh, good to go. Uh, not that I didn't before. I mean, I hadn't, I had an MRI done on it and got a look in there to see what it was. And then and it took the advice and, and planned forward. You know, maybe I was a little bit of aggressive on the return uh, in hindsight, likely. Uh, so this time I'm going to be a little more conservative on that. If I need to take more time off after this race in order to feel like it's 100% strong and then get into some strength work before any running and keep that impact bear really low for a little bit longer than I normally would or extend the off season, I'm going to do that. And then when I do start back up, I think I'm going to try to work on a little more a little more speed work as soon as I can get enough of a base in to uh, kind of solidify that uh, I'm not, you know, just completely out of shape because all of this is just going to depend on how much time it takes to officially heal. So the longer it takes, the more I'll probably do some foundational work before I get into any like real meaningful speed work. Uh, but I do think that area of focus will be, be helpful for me just from a strength standpoint too to get another block or phase of training of that in since it's, it's been quite a while now for me for, for any like meaningful amount of time. And I think that's, what's going to be kind of a sustainable, maybe a little bit of a lower volume approach for the remainder of this year. Uh, once I'm very confident in the ankle, a little more focus on speed work and kind of start from the beginning, so to speak. So that's kind of where I'm at from the training off season recovery standpoint, uh, the race standpoint, uh, and all that stuff. So, um, this, this, these things are, are never something you want or plan for, but they also, I think offer opportunities. So I'll have an opportunity to, uh, let everything kind of catch up and feel probably very fresh when I do start up and start building again. I really like that aspect of the sport of building and uh, getting yourself back to where you think it, you you're capable of and watching that progress happen. And there's nothing like an injury and a significant amount of time off it to kind of put you far enough back on that process where you start to kind of see a lot of that again, versus entering a training block relatively fit and hunting for minimal progress and minimal gains relative to where you're at. Uh, you know, so there's, there's definitely some positives into it as well. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have for this one. I'm going to be doing some uh, both interview and solo podcasts coming up. Uh, one I have that I'm going to record shortly is a listener Q&A, but also it's going to have a little bit of a heavy skew on a topic specifically about hydrating during your workouts and your runs. Uh, I've been getting a lot of questions about that probably as winter, uh, summer questions about like, how do I know if I'm drinking enough? What do I do with electrolytes? Do I really need electrolytes in my workouts and things like that? How do I know how much I need versus the next person and that sort of stuff. And we're going to go over some of what we know about that and how you can maybe address it in a podcast. And then, um, 
I'm going to be at a KetoCon this early July. It is that second weekend in July. So if you're going to be there, uh, you'll, you can find me at the S fuels booth. Most of the time I'll be hanging out there. And during that show, I'll also be recording some live podcasts. So you'll see in July in yeah, probably just July, but maybe part of August, some of the episodes that come up are going to be interview episodes from uh, the folks that I'm talking to there. If you're there and you want to check it out, we'll have a lot of information when you're there about the times of uh, the live recordings. If you want to come and check it out and uh, engage with us while we're recording. So uh, that's what I got. Uh, thanks for checking out this episode. And if, uh, if you want to check out and support the show through the show Patreon page, you can do that by heading to zachbetter.com forward slash HPO. That will get you early release and uh, ad free audio versions of the show. And if you just want to support uh, monetarily, but not through Patreon, there are links to do that through normal ways as well as crypto. And, and those links are all also at zachbetter.com forward slash HPO. Non-monetary support can be done through liking, subscribing, and sharing the podcast episodes that you like. That goes a long way helping me grow the show and continue to record episodes. So thanks a bunch to everyone who is uh, already currently supporting and sharing. It means a lot. Uh, and take care and talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks. If you are interested in adding some structure to your training program, I have some options that might interest you. Over on my website, ZachBitter.com, I have a wide range of ready-made plans that have options for beginners to advanced endurance athletes. I also have personalized plan options where I will cater a plan specific to the event you are preparing for and your personal schedule and training availability. You can also access a variety of add-on options from email collaboration to consultation calls to help guide you through your training and nutrition needs. You can access these with or without a formal plan. So head over to ZachBitter.com and let me know what you think.